0: Hi there, I'm Dr. Trevor Cates. Welcome to the Spot Doctor podcast. On today's podcast, we're covering the liver's impact on your health, skin, and even your emotional state. My guest is Dr. Amit Agarwal. He is a naturopathic doctor and psychotherapist. Dr. Amit's Happiness and Health online program helps people with emotional issues, weight loss, hormonal balance, leaky gut, and adrenal fatigue. It's the only online program to be approved by both the Commission of Dietetic Registrants and by Naturopathic Professional Associations for naturopaths, nutritionists, and dieticians. His best-selling book, Heal Your Body, Cure Your Mind, is a comprehensive approach to treat anxiety, stress, and depression. Dr. Amit is joining us from Kenya, where he also started mobile clinics for poor communities there. In today's interview, Dr. Amit explains the connection between the health of our livers and our emotional and physical well being. And he shares specific ways to improve your liver's function as well as emotional release techniques to optimize health and healing. So please enjoy this interview with Dr. Amit. I Amit, mean, it's great to have you on my podcast. Welcome.
1: Thanks, uh, Dr. Cates. It's uh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I'm really excited. I'm going to share some wonderful news with you, but uh, I'll let you get started first.
0: Yeah. So I, I know we wanted to talk about, you know, there's so much talk about gut health and the importance of gut health and inflammation. And I your focus, you focus a lot on the liver and the importance of the liver. And I think sometimes we overlook the liver and our talk about the gut health. So I'm excited to find out more from you today, hear what your take is on the importance of the liver.
1: Awesome, okay, so yeah, you're right. A lot of people focus on inflammation and leaky gut, right? So when you're eating inflammatory foods, it creates, it causes the damage in the intestinal lining kills off your probiotics. And so most people are treating themselves only with probiotics and changing their diet. Right. But the thing is that what happens with leaky gut and any inflammation is with inflammation, the liver also gets inflamed and a lot of toxins are created in the body with inflammation and the liver becomes toxic and the liver is the master organ. So it's important for blood sugar regulation, detoxification, digestion, bile production, hormonal balance, et cetera. And when your liver becomes toxic and inflamed, it actually becomes more stagnant, as we say in Chinese medicine. It's known as liver chi stagnation. And with liver chi stagnation, you actually have less bile being produced or not, not the right quality of bile being produced, right? And that then creates more indigestion, gas, and bloating. And the funny thing is that most people forget that when there's not enough bile flowing, you have less lubrication. And with less lubrication, you have more constipation. So most people make the mistake of taking a laxative for constipation rather than treating the liver. So it's really important in addition to using probiotics and glutamine and vitamin D to heal inflammation in the gut. What I write about in my book is how to also treat the liver, because when you have the liver being treated, then you release bile properly, your hormones come into balance, and you have less PMS symptoms and many other factors we'll talk about.
0: Yeah, and I I know that uh, we talk a lot about on the pod on the podcast about the holistic approach of the body and that we don't wanna treat anything in isolation. We focus a lot on skin, right? And But skin isn't just an organ by itself. It's all interconnected. So talking about the liver, it's, it's great to talk about this because I, um, I, I do see that there's a, a, a big connection throughout the body with a lot of different systems and the function of um, things like the adrenals and mental health and thyroid. A lot of things are connected to the liver, right?
1: everything is connected to the liver. It's the master organ, right? So if your liver is toxic, then you're not detoxifying well enough with too much toxins. You have more and more inflammation, right? So your skin will get worse. That's the first thing. Then the funny thing is that your thyroid hormones. So T4 inactive T4 is actually converted. A lot of it about 70% is actually converted into active T3 in your liver. And so if you have an inflamed liver or liver cheese stagnation, your conversion of T4 to T3 is compromised, right? So you have subclinical hypothyroidism, and people are busy trying to treat the the thyroid or the adrenal system, uh, ignoring the liver. Okay, so, Um,
0: so,
1: yeah. Go ahead, please. I was
0: gonna say, so what do we wanna do with the liver to help support it and make sure that that connection with the, the different systems is working right and that our liver is functioning properly?
1: Okay. Um, so first thing is of course to remove toxins, yeah. Um, so that's the typical heal your gut protocol, right? That's eating less inflammatory foods, less pesticides, and less medications and alcohol.
0: And the and the and personal care products too, right? All the toxins and personal care yeah. products that adds to it too. Yeah,
1: yeah. and you, like I love your work because you always mention that what you put on your skin is absorbed into your body, and you're so right. And it goes straight to your liver. You know, people think that it's just on the surface of the skin, but uh, all that those harmful cosmetics go straight into your liver. And um, so you got to heal the gut first and remove inflammatory foods. Then uh, it's about using herbs and supplements to heal the liver. I typically use milk, thistle, dandelion, artichoke leaf, um, different herbs. And there's so many out there uh, that will treat your liver. One, by healing the cells. And number two, by actually the bitter taste and certain ingredients in those herbs stimulate your liver to produce more bile, to detoxify. And that's really important. You want to do both. Yeah. You want antioxidants because remember your liver is detoxifying toxins. So it's going through a lot of oxidative stress. And so to counteract the free radical damage, we need antioxidants. And that's your vitamin A, vitamin C, the blueberries, the berries. Yeah. Glutathione as well. It's super important to protect your liver. I sometimes use alpha-lipoic acid, uh, um, although being in Kenya, we try and minimize the amount of supplements we're prescribing out here, um, just because we're limited in resources and stuff like that, yeah? And um, eating bitter foods. Eating bitter foods is super important because the bitter taste on your tongue um, actually stimulates bile flow. So try not to put honey and things like that, sweeteners in your bitter Mm -hmm. foods. Enjoy it. Think, Think of it as food is medicine um
0: what else well I think think it's really interesting when you talk about the bitter taste because I think that so often um, we take supplements or like you said cover it up with honey or things like that to remove that bitter taste and I think a lot of times people don't realize that that bitter herbs there's a reason why they taste bitter and there's and and if you remove that that effect on the body then you're missing an important step, and I. It seems like you can still get benefits from taking the capsules or, or you know, taking it as in the capsulated form. But doing tinctures is probably what mm-hmm. you're talking about when you're talking about herbs to to, to be able to taste it, right? Or I, it was,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I find tinctures more bioavailable, and the taste is important. It's a simple example, like. Even if you smell something, smell, you'll start salivating, right? If you smell a good food, you'll start salivating. So in the same way, a sense organ stimulates something going on in your body. In the same way, when you taste something bitter, something else goes on in your internal system as a response to what you're ingesting. Um, so I, I try and relish the bitter taste. I, I just think, okay, I just surrender to it and think, Okay, this is healing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's good for people to know that. And then also w- with foods, what are some of the other foods that are particularly good for the liver?
1: So, I mean, turmeric is known to be really good for the liver, turmeric root, especially. And then uh, dandelion greens. Um, there's uh, what we call, we call it rocket or arugula here. I'm not sure what you call it in the States. Is it rocket? Yeah. hmm <laughs> okay. um, anything bitter. then we have a bitter gourd, um, Indians call it Karela, uh, that's super 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 important for the liver. Um, so, really, anything anything bitter and then other things, also like the cruciferous vegetables, broccoli, cabbage, those are, are all healing for I think it's phase two of the liver detoxification pathway. It could be phase one, I might have got those mixed up, but super important for the liver as well. And then magnesium. Magnesium is really important for liver function. People forget that a lot. So I'll often prescribe that. The other thing I'll prescribe is deep breathing. You know what happens is when you're stressed, right, you're breathing very shallow. You're only using the upper muscles here. And that's why stressed people get tight shoulders. And when you deep breathe, right, your your diaphragm moves uh, up and down. And that actually has a physical effect on the liver. It massages the liver. And so when you're not deep breathing, your stress, your shoulders are tight and you get heartburn and other stress-related digestive issues because your liver is not being worked at really well. So everything goes uh, together.
0: So with the deep breathing, um, do you have a particular practice that you have people do or just being aware of taking the breath deeper than your chest?
1: I think, yeah, five deep breaths three times a day that's easy to follow and then doing exercises like kapalbati, yoga, breathing, um, mindfulness, just getting the body out of the fight or flight state as well, allowing the body to relax automatically you kick in your parasympathetic nervous system and that will allow the diaphragm to relax. Yeah. And so you'll have normal deep breathing with that. Um, yoga, yoga is fantastic for healing the liver.
0: Yeah. And so just one more thing, like you mentioned some of these and you know, these bitter foods like dandelion greens. How do you consume them in the diet? Like for people who are not used to getting these in their diet, what do you suggest as a way to start introducing them in?
1: Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a <tough> one. Right. <laughs> um I well. I used to drink something very strange coming from Africa and I studied in Canada, I used to drink neem tea quite often. And that's very bitter. Um, but too much of it of course has um, some dangerous effects, but I would just seek these things out in a tea form. Yeah. And put in a thermos and then sip that during the day because we won't, a lot of people they don't have these things because it's not right next to them. So I would put something bitter, in a thermos and carry around with me to ensure that I'm doing that. Mm. And um, what I encourage people to do is when, if they go to a bar, they just, instead of alcohol, they order bitters.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. The bigger, the bitters formula and put that in a bit of sparkling water.
0: Yeah, I know. Um, I know that bartenders are like, you know, if they see anybody with hiccups or, you know, that complains about ups stomach, I know I've seen bartenders like say, well, here, have some bitters. And I always I, I always think it's funny to see that because it is like what you're talking about, that bitter taste definitely has that that effect on the digestive system and the liver. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, what else can people do? It's, it's, it's really about education. I find when I talk to my patients, about the effect on the liver, they feel more encouraged or inspired to actually seek out the broccolis and the other bitter foods, right? So education on the reason why we're working on the liver is super important as well. If I just tell somebody, okay, take stuff for your liver, but they don't realize why their liver is so important, it won't hit home as hard and they'll be less motivated. So when they have the carrot in front of them, like an end goal, motivation kicks in. Yeah. So
0: It's
1: all about as well.
0: Right. And I I think that um, we're exposed to more toxins now than we ever have been. So I feel like our livers are uh, more bombarded, especially in certain parts of the world. You know, in the United States, I feel like we have so many chemicals, uh, harmful chemicals that we're exposed to now in our air, water, food, and personal care products that we really do need to give our livers uh, extra love and uh, support so that... Our bodies can do what they're supposed to do, and and we you know we have these these the, the functionality of our liver is amazing at what it can do to help remove some of the toxins that we're exposed to and medications too and and you know for people especially that have to take medications to be able to mm-hmm. properly metabolize them and and even with hormone function and all of that our livers are so important.
1: It was a super important, like whether it's in the States or even in Africa, I do a lot of mobile clinics. Um, That's what I want to share some news. We're actually restarting this project where I'll go out in the bush to poor communities and with mobile clinics and treat them with homeopathy. It's my (laughs) dream project and I'm selling a million copies of my book to fund it, but we would use a lot of homeopathy for the liver on these mobile clinics as well because out in certain areas, there's no control on pesticides here in Africa, right? People are using very toxic substances. So all over the world, everyone's liver is super stressed and um, everyone needs that help. And we need more support than usual than our ancestors because the amount of toxins are more. What we're eating is less bitter overall and less nutritious. So the amount of liver support the modern person needs is literally three times more than our ancestors, I believe.
0: Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. So the first thing is to reduce exposures to in, in the environment as much as you can. And then the second thing is to um, include some of the herbs and foods that we talked about, that you've talked about. Um, and I think it's really interesting, yeah. the connection between the liver and mental health too. So this is an area of of, of interest for you, right?
1: Yeah. I'm a psychotherapist as well. So I treat a lot of anxiety and depression, um, using trauma release homeopathic remedies. And I always start with stabilizing inflammation and the liver and and leaky gut because what happens is the body affects the mind in multiple ways. Yeah. The first is most people know about it is when you have leaky gut and inflammation, then that causes a uh, cortisol imbalance. And with a cortisol imbalance, you have a suppression of serotonin, dopamine, GABA, and melatonin, leading to anxiety and depression. The second thing is with leaky gut and an unhealthy microbiome, see your, your good bacteria, your probiotics actually create, uh, produce serotonin and other neurotransmitters. So it's not all produced in the brain. So we have to heal the gut as well for enough serotonin to be produced in the body. Then the liver detoxifies lactic acid or lactate and with compromised liver or liver cheese stagnation, then there's too much lactic acid or lactate in the body. It's not detoxified well enough and high levels of lactate have actually been um, connected to high levels of anxiety. And um, there's so many other angles. What I love about the liver is like every time you treat it, so many things just peel away. So, the liver also controls hormones in Chinese medicine. And a lot of people with liver cheese stagnation will have a progesterone deficiency. And I often treat it using homeopathics and herbs. And if you have a progesterone deficiency, GABA in your brain doesn't work as well because you need progesterone to help with GABA. So people with low progesterone are more prone to anxiety. And a lot of people also with liver cheese stagnation might be more irritable. You see, in Chinese medicine, we connect Um, the liver to emotions and irritable people usually have a stagnant liver. Um, What else? If your microbiome is not healthy, if your liver is not producing the right amount of bile, then your intestinal environment will be unhealthy. There'll be more inflammation, more interference with the good bacteria that produce serotonin. So liver cheese stagnation can really cause depression as well. And some people are so focused on healing the gut and going for counseling and they they forget treating the root, the three pillars of health. That's the gut, the liver, and the adrenal system.
0: Okay, and, so, and
1: yeah, a lot of a lot of mental health. <laughs> right, um, I guess, I yeah,
0: go you on could, and, yeah. You put the adrenals in there too. That um, and and certainly yeah. with mental health, yeah, I could see how that would be a big focus for you too. Yeah. yeah.
1: Hmm. Absolutely. I, with even the liver connection to the thyroid. Right. Um, if your liver is compromised, then you have low thyroid function. You're going to feel depressed. Right. And, uh, the brain needs thyroid also to create serotonin to produce serotonin. So it's, it's a vicious cycle. Right. And rather than take St. John's Wort or a herb for depression, even though it sounds holistic, one has to really target the root causes. Yeah. The gut, the liver, the adrenal system, and then release emotions. Using psychotherapy, EMDR, tapping, and family constellation something I, I use as well, and we can talk about that later.
0: Yeah, well, I mean I think it's I think it's fascinating that you're able to combine these um, together and with your background as a psychotherapist to bring this in. Um, so you know, I mean, you mentioned just a few different types of therapies. Will you explain those for people that aren't familiar with them?
1: Okay. Yeah. For emotional release, um, starting from, let's say this homeopathy, which is energetic medicine, which I use to release trauma and stabilize the mind. Then there's Bach flower remedies, which are excellent for emotions. So those are more on the energetic medicine side of things. And then in the counseling, um, paradigm or yeah, set of tools. There's EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's a technique where the therapist, I will um, ask the client to follow my fingers from side to side or tap on certain points while staying connected to painful memory and certain feelings that come up with the memory. And by doing this left, right bilateral stimulation, the frontal cortex of the brain actually starts processing the stored emotion that's stuck in the limbic brain. And that reprocessing then helps the person come out of trauma, whether it's conscious or subconscious, because trauma is stuck in the subconscious and it drives our decisions. It gives us nightmares. It gives us low-grade anxiety or chronic anxiety. And so instead of only using supplements to fix depression, one has to release the emotions as well.
0: Right. So this is particularly helpful for people who have like PTSD or some sort of traumatic uh, experience for maybe from childhood or, um, something specific. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Something specific, uh, specific trauma. I also use it for belief systems. Like when somebody realizes, ah, this was their father's belief or their sister's belief. And they, they just thought that as reality. They took that as, as reality. In that moment of realization, there's like an aha moment, right? In aha moments, usually there's a there's a sensation in the body. There's a visceral experience, right? Because it's the full-body experience. It's an authentic. It's an authentic acknowledgement of truth, and in that, I can also do some tapping or EMDR because it helps integrate the realization back into the nervous system. Mm-hmm. So I love doing that with belief systems as well.
0: Yeah, I think and then um, this, I think that's a really interesting point because I, I think a lot of times. I mean, I've noticed this more. Um, it's not something I was aware of before that we can take on our parents' beliefs. But it now that I understand this and I see this, it makes a lot of sense because as a child, when we're around our parents, we see our, our parents as perfect, right? They're, they're, we look up to them because they are our source of survival. And so whatever they yes. do in that moment as a child, we see this like that's perfect and that's what we are supposed to do. And, and so it gets programmed in. And then as an adult, then that can start to come out. It can start to manifest. We start to repeat some of the things that they did that we know is not mm-hmm. healthy or that's not a good idea, but it, because it was programmed, it's great that like the awareness of that is so powerful. Um, and then mm-hmm. to be able to process that is fantastic.
1: Yeah. You know, we associate those dysfunctional behaviors even as love, like, because that's our environment. Uh, some people associate abuse, as a form of love because they've grown up with it yeah and so they end up in abusive relationships because that's what they can relate to and when you when you let go of those beliefs or when you actually so in family constellation therapy we say okay i give this back to mom her her tolerance to abuse i give it back to my mom i don't have to tolerate it like she did and i and i'm still a loyal child you know a lot of people follow their parents suffering Mm -hmm. out of loyalty Mm -hmm. and um, because they don't want to let their parent feel that they're alone or betray their parent in their mind yeah in their child's mind and by saying certain simple sentences like I leave this with you mom I, I still love you dearly and I don't have to suffer like you did yeah and I still love you and I still connect with you and I have not left you there's a reprogramming that happens in the subconscious Literally. And the person is more able then to get out of an abusive relationship because they don't feel like they're betraying the family or not belonging to the family anymore. So that's what I do in Family Constellations. And um, I think it's really important to heal trauma as well as dysfunctional, if you want to call it, or just harmful belief systems. Mm -hmm. Along with the liver as well, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, and it's an interesting connection too, right? But I think uh, too is as time changes, we um, society changes, and we don't have to uh, ha- behave in the same way that maybe are the traditions or they shift, they change, and so we can reprogram those, right? Does that make sense? What I'm saying?
1: <laughs> Absolutely, reprogramming is exactly what it is. Yeah, and I've actually had asked clients to kind of mentally. Connect to their ancestors and, and grandparents, say, I give back these traditions that, that don't work for me anymore, that don't serve my highest purpose anymore. And I willingly let them go, and I still remain loyal to our family or to the lineage. I still belong to our family without some of these traditions. And even just asking that permission at a subconscious level lets the person let go of any guilt associated with an alternate behavior. Very powerful stuff yeah so, so yeah can right. you
0: explain a little bit more about family constellations the um the I, I, we haven't really we haven't talked about that I don't think ever on this the spot doctor podcast before, so the idea of family constellations is a new concept for people probably
1: it's one of the most powerful therapies i've ever come across and um it uh, typically i use like it involves the therapist having certain helpers in the room and you as the client will come and I will ask you to pick certain people to represent your different family members. So family constellations is one of the most powerful therapies I've ever come across, to be honest. It's a form of psychotherapy. I like to look at it that way. And what it does is it acknowledges certain traumas that have happened in previous generations in your family so, whether your grandparents or even with your parents and siblings and uncles and aunts, because you belong to a certain energy system. And when things happen in your family, it's, um, that, that affects their behavior. Yeah, everyone's behavior. And now, people who are born in later generations are born of that behavior how do I mean? Like, so if um, people were starving at a certain time in in their life generation, then they grew up being very careful about food, about resources. And so their children are brought up with that mentality. And then later on, their children will also be brought up with that mentality, even though they might not be starving. That's a very simple example. At the same time though, they're showing studies where people who have experienced trauma in, in the wars and they are genetically different than other people who have not experienced trauma and their descendants are actually more prone to anxiety and depression, emotional illness, because of the genetic changes, because of epigenetics, the changes in their genes. Yeah. And how the therapy works is I, as a therapist, will ask you to pick somebody or something to represent a family member. Yeah. And then I'll watch the dynamics of the representatives. And when I'm doing it on Skype, I'll feel it energetically. Uh, It's known as the knowing field. We we tap into the knowing field, and we can sense where the imbalance is with which parent or which sibling. And by looking at the imbalance, we might notice the, the the representative for the father is looking away from the mother, and the daughter is just staring at the father. Right. So that could symbolize an absence of the father. Maybe the father is mourning a dead parent from the war and the mother never had the connection to the, to the father, yet yeah, the husband. So the child is feeling the missing that's going on in the family system. So there's a, there's a annoying feeling for the child, for the client. And by observing that, we can say certain sentences, we can ask the client a certain sentences like, you know, I acknowledge your absence, dad and your pain, mom, but I don't have to carry this in my life, in my relationships. Yeah. So coming out of the system, the tra- traumatized system, family constellations happens like that. Um, I had a client who was having anxiety and depression for a long time. We did psychotherapy. We did um, homeopathy and things just weren't moving. So I asked her to check with her mom. If there was an abortion or miscarriage in the family and she was shocked when she found out there was. So my client thought she was the firstborn child, right? But the thing is there was a miscarriage before her. So in family constellations, we actually acknowledge all parts of the system. So we acknowledge the aborted or miscarried children as well. And so I did a little exercise where I got my client to recognize her second place in her, in her family, rather than being the firstborn child. So she was like, gosh, this makes so much more sense to my, to my body, to my energy, right? I'm the second child in the system. I don't belong to the first position, so I don't have to carry so much responsibility in my life. I promise you, after that session, she didn't need any more therapy. It was amazing. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, there was another client from Zimbabwe. They experienced all the violence. And um, there was a conflict with her sister, actually, that was causing chronic um, digestive issues. And we did the homeopathy, we did the herbs, we did the supplements, mild improvements. And when I got her to do a certain technique where she dialogued with her sister, imaginary imaginary sister, like on a chair, and giving back the sister's pain, et cetera, her digestive issues resolved in one session after like three months of trying homeopathy and other things. So healing emotionally has a very powerful effect on the mind as well as the body
0: yeah and and i i know we've gone from the liver to emotions and for some people that might seem like a stretch but it really is there's a big interconnection between the two and again it's this holistic approach looking at the body holistically whether you're talking about the skin you're talking about the liver emotional state Uh, we've talked about so many different systems and symptoms Today and and there's this incredible interconnectedness and so supporting the body both physically and emotionally helps people get to um you know a higher state of uh of health as well as um, emotional well-being right
1: absolutely the the both have to happen together both have to happen there's no separation between mind and body for me anymore yeah and most people you know they take supplements too much. And they don't do the therapy or they go for counseling, but they don't heal the body. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they're ignoring a fundamental part of themselves and both need to happen together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, tell everybody about your book and, and what you're, you mentioned a little bit of the, the, of, of the efforts that you're, you're doing with um, giving back. So tell everybody more about that.
1: Okay. So my dream is to do mobile clinics for poor communities in Africa. And I started that project a while ago. And, um, so I I supervise volunteers from around the world and we go in the bush and we treat communities with mostly homeopathy. And because of funding, I had to put it on hold. And my mom was also going through cancer at that time. And so I'm starting the project again. And, um, I've written a book to raise money for it and people are also donating, but I want to do it in a self-funded way. So I want to sell really, really a million copies of my book so that I don't have to ask for funding again. Right. So I want to give back to the person who funds me through the book or through the online course I've created. That's been actually been approved for CE credits as well for naturopathic doctors and dietitians. Um, so the book and the course, they cover a lot about what we've talked about today, how to heal the gut, the liver. I have some extra exercises in there people can use to heal emotional trauma and belief systems. I have certain remedies in the online course, homeopathic remedies, I go into a lot of detail about that, on which remedies help heal the liver and which remedies can help heal trauma as well. Um, So it's a very integrated, a full approach really to overall health, right? Fixing inflammation, toxicity, adrenal fatigue, And releasing emotional trauma so people who are taking this course are getting a lot a lot of benefits and using less supplements actually because they're treating the root cause and so with enough sales then i want to go back in the bush i want to build a hospital um i've got the piece of land already um, in the middle of trying to get funds to dig a borehole on a piece of land so there's enough water and then yeah just educate local practitioners Uh, local health workers in Kenya on how to use holistic medicine and treat the root cause rather than just over prescribing antibiotics all the time. And then I want to research the herbs on the mountain. So I live on the foothills of Mount Kenya on the equator, and there's a lot of medicine in our mountain and it's unexplored. So if I can research that as well and, you know, support some local people to grow the herbs as well as reintroduce herbal medicine back into the communities and then teach. Also volunteers from America, from Canada, how to use my form of medicine, this approach I use homeopathy, as well as the herbs of on Kenya. Um, I think we'll all share enough knowledge to transform medicine around the world.
0: That's so, <laughs> Fantastic. So where do people, um, where can people go to find the course and your book? Uh,
1: my website is health.drmeet.com. So health.drmeet is D-R-A-M-E-E-T.com. Um and then, yeah, the book is there. There's a link to the book. There's a link to the online course as well.
0: Great. And we'll have that link up um, below the show notes, uh, in the show notes below the podcast interview on the, on my website too. So Amit, thank you so much for, for the interview today. And I know it's um, a completely different time of day there than it is here. So thanks for being accommodating with that and all the work that you're doing to, um, to help um, heal people globally. So thank you.
1: Thank you for your time. I know it's early morning there as well. Um, one little request, if people are interested in getting the book, I'd love them to buy like 10 copies that they can donate to their their communities as well, or even send like just buy a large number, then I can use that amount, any profits to distribute my copies of the book to communities here in Africa, or they can send a direct donation, I'll do it on their behalf. So thank you everyone for supporting me and thank you Dr. Gates for this opportunity. and I'll see you in Kenya on a mobile clinic, hopefully.
0: (laughs) Perfect, thank you. I hope you enjoyed this interview today with Dr. Amit. To learn more about Dr. Amit, his book and online program, you can go to thespadoctor.com, go to the podcast page with his interview, and you'll find all the information and links there. And while you're there, I invite you to join the Spot Doctor community so you don't miss any of our upcoming podcasts. And also, if you haven't already taken the skin quiz, you can go to theskinquiz.com. Find out what information your skin is trying to tell you about your health and what you can do about it. Just go to theskinquiz.com. It's a free online quiz. And also, I invite you to join me on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, and YouTube, and join the conversation there. And I'll see you next time on the Spot Doctor Podcast.